With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi there. My name is Ryan Snelling. Welcome to the Watch Diary podcast or the Rewatch Ryan YouTube channel. However, you take in my content. I'm greatly appreciative of you. It is July 22nd, 2022, 7-22-22. And we're talking Jordan Peele. We're talking Nope. Maybe a little bit of the Gray Man. We're also going to rank the Russo brothers finally. So, nice little epic weekend that we have here today on the Watch Diary podcast feed. If you haven't looked already, go to the Real Watch Ryan YouTube channel and check out my early reaction to Nope video on the channel right now, just a couple minutes. Also, while you're there, make sure that you have your notifications turned on for the channel. I noticed there's a very low percentage of you guys, of subscribers, and I don't know if this is just what it's like on YouTube in general, that actually have those notifications turned on. So it would really, really mean a lot to me if you just hit that little bell notification on my page. And uh, speaking of that, I think I talked about it last week on the show, but I got finally my very first paycheck from YouTube. And I'm just very grateful. You know, when me and Jay... We're working on Sight and Sound together. We got paid a couple of times for the YouTube channel. And, you know, a lot of that coin that I got is from a lot of that content, too, because that content still does some business. But ultimately, my activity on Rewatch Ryan is what sparked it. And um, and most of it came from that. And I'm very grateful for you for sticking around, hanging out with me, talking movies. And uh, it was an exciting time for me. So it meant a lot to me to get my first deposit as rewatch Ryan. So it was really cool. So thank you so much again for that. It's uh, meant a lot to me. Uh, I've, I've had an okay week. You know, I'm, I'm very grateful for everything that we have going on here. And ultimately, this is my happy place. My microphone, my camera, you guys talking to you all throughout the week. That's my happy place. And um, I wish that I could do it full time. I, I haven't quite, you know, gotten there yet. I'm pretty far away, actually, from doing that. But um but this is my happy place. Uh, just a lot going on in my other job. And uh, it's really, really just had me down. I, uh, you know, I, I've been kind of toying with the idea of like moving back home. Um, and there's a lot of reasons that I should. And there's a lot of reasons that I shouldn't. Um, especially right now. I guess it's all about timing. But um, I've also tossed around the idea of going back to school, which I don't really know if I want to do. Um, it would probably be a good thing to do that, especially if it's 
uh, free, which in my case, it would be free. Uh, I know it sounds crazy for me to not do it. So that's probably why I will go on and pull the trigger and do that. But just a lot of things, um, a lot of life decisions to be made. And uh, it's never fun. You know, I can make one or two decisions at a time. Back in the day, I used to be so flippant about decision making. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, my friends, especially my best friend, Eric, used to always make fun of me for how I would just out of nowhere choose this life decision without looking back and without thinking much. And, you know, it, it wasn't always bad. But um, and, and I do kind of miss that. I think I've talked about this before. Um, the way that things weigh on me because of like my anxiety, um, it really sucks. You know, I feel like that's the most obvious statement to make anybody who has anxiety and other similar, you know, paranoia and anxiety and, and panic and, you know, everybody who deals with that kind of stuff, just every little thing weighs on you. And, um, it wasn't always like this for me and I miss the time when it wasn't. And so making those like flippant decisions would be sort of reminiscent of a time when I didn't care as much. Um, but, and I guess a lot of the time too, the flippant decision was like bailing out on something or like choosing something else over something. And like, so there was maybe also like a negative connotation to it, if that makes sense. Cause people would always just question like, Hey, is that the best thing? But if maybe I applied this flippant, like, Oh, we'll just do it. Or I won't do it. Apply it to, the decision to go back to school, then it wouldn't have such a negative connotation. If all of a sudden one day I was just like, well, sign up for school, I'm going. You know, nobody's going to be like, wait, what? Why did you do that? So that'd be like a good way. That'd be a good reason to make that kind of decision. But anyway, I just got a lot of stuff to figure out. But uh, yeah, this is my happy place. So I'm going to enjoy my happy place. Look, <laughs> speaking of happy, I don't have my Trenta, trusty Trenta cold brew today um i'm toying with the idea kind of going back to my my mental health i'm toying with the idea of slowly getting rid of caffeine um we'll see how it goes i i want to ease off of it because i i drink a lot of caffeine i don't know exactly to the milligram but a trusty trenta cold brew Let's look at the caffeine content because it's got to be well over 300 milligrams. Trenta cold brew, Starbucks, caffeine. Um, there's no way that that's true. This one says 195 milligrams. There's no way that's true. Okay, here we go. The strongest cold drink you can order is a Trenta cold brew, which has 360 milligrams of caffeine in it. That's how I start every day. And there are some days where I take in like a Celsius energy drink, which is also 200. So let's say 560. And while sometimes I'll have multiple cold brews in my day. So like maybe I'll get later in the day one or two grande sweet cream cold brews. That's a lot of cold brew. I mean, that might as well be another 360, right? Because a grande is about half, roughly, the size of a... Yeah. It's got to be something crazy like that. That's how much caffeine I drink in a day. So, I feel like I need to sort of level out my... Uh, <laughs> I need to let my neurons relax a little bit. So, 
I have a store bought the what is it Stoke Coffee cold brew that I put in here, and I also bought mushroom coffee, which I I bought years ago and I really really liked it, um, but I I had it hot I believe. I'm making it into a cold brew. So right now I have my mushroom coffee. So it's lower caffeine, but it also has mushrooms and uh, just stuff that's really good for you. And uh, I'm making that into a cold brew as we speak. So I'm pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, I I, I don't think it's going to be a matter of like saving money. I do need to find ways to save money. But ultimately, um, I think it's a better habit and about the same amount weekly expense so i think it's going to be worth it so yeah i should probably just drink more water honestly but anyway so that's why there's no cold brew and i don't have my water in here with me but it's all good so anyway yeah nope was the big summer movie season it's coming to a close pretty fast that's it's really unfortunate because i have enjoyed it it's not like we have the you know it's not like it's been a banger after banger necessarily. There have been times, but mostly the quality has been good. Um, and I think we're going to finish it off the summer season next week with Bullet Train. I hate looking at the Fandango website because they list so much shit that I've just never heard of and I'm obviously never going to get to watching or talking about. Um,. The other obvious thing that I need to bring up as I'm looking for the rest of the schedule um, is the fact that Comic-Con is going on right now. So again, I'm recording this on Friday morning. Not a whole lot, a lot has happened um, with that so far. It's really just been like the Dungeons & Dragons trailer, which I did find to be entertaining. I don't really know how I feel about it overall. Um, but here's the thing. Wait, what? Where's Bullet Train? Okay, so next week I don't know what I'm watching because I feel like the release calendar changes every... But Bullet Train is in two weeks, I guess, and it's really just kind of the end of the summer movie season. Uh, Beast, I guess you could count, but the Idris Elba movie. So anyway, I can't find a good schedule. But yeah, so Comic-Con is coming out. Um, I, I think the big stuff is Saturday. Uh, there's not a whole lot going today. Marvel animation I saw, and I think the Lord of the Rings thing, which I definitely want to see, but I don't know if it's like a video worthy. So Saturday night, uh, I do have to work on Saturday, but when I get home, I plan on making a video and maybe a pod podcast reacting to everything that we learned about Warner Brothers and Marvel. So that's really fun. So be on the lookout for that content as well. All right, so without further ado, let's rank every Russo Brothers movie that they've directed, of course. With the exception of their very earliest film called Pieces. It was released in 97, I believe. I can't find distribution for this film anywhere. I think it was like an indie thing, a small time thing, only an hour. Similar to how Nolan had that following uh, film come out. I can't find distribution for it anywhere. And... Um, Look, your big time producers, Russo Brothers, figure out distribution if you want me to rank your movies on every movie ever. Just kidding. Um, so yeah, that'll be the only thing that's left out of this list. So we had the other eight films directed by the Russo Brothers. Uh, and of course, we will include The Gray Man. I did cover The Gray Man last week on the show, but it's out on Netflix today. So more people are going to get to see it and watch it at home. Uh, so yeah, we're going to rank the Russo Brothers films. I... 
last night finished a movie called Welcome to Collinwood. That's not my last place, by the way. I'm just bringing it up. Uh, I, I finally slipped it in there, so now I'm fully prepared to do this. Now, look, I am going to release this list publicly on Letterboxd as soon as the podcast is out and I'm done. That's where you can follow along with every one of these rankings here on every movie ever. So go to letterboxd.com slash rewatch Ryan. There are links to it everywhere on this YouTube channel. So with that said, let's start with number eight, the worst Russo brothers movie. Now look the second half, the bottom half of this list. I feel like the quality is like good to poor. And then, and you can probably guess what my top half of this list is like, where it becomes excellent and iconic. So starting with, you, me, and Dupree. Yes, I think this is the movie that I was most surprised to find out that the Russo brothers directed because I remember when this movie was being released when it came out. It was a comedy that I thought I would be into growing up. Uh, it came out in 2006. Um, so I, I, Owen Wilson at the time uh, was big and funny and at the height of his powers. So I had no idea, though, who the Russo brothers were when it was being released. And retrospectively, I had no idea. Like, I, I don't remember if I've ever heard them talk about it, like in, on any Marvel red carpet that they directed you, me and Dupree. So I watched you, me and Dupree for the very first time in preparation for this list all these years later. And now that I've seen it, it is such a generic comedy. It didn't make me laugh once. And while watching it, there's nothing about it that is signature Russo Brothers to me. Now, also, I don't quite know. And because I've watched so many other Russo Brothers movies outside of the MCU, I still don't really know who they are as directors. I'm not going to lie. I feel like it's really just coming down to the fact that they can deal well with ensemble cast you know the juggling of all the plates with all the marvel movies but also all their television work and the episodic work that they do there with community and arrested development i feel like that is what i would apply to them but it doesn't really give me a whole lot of insight as to who they are visually and so yumi and dupree is a movie that is just simply not a good comedy it's a forgettable movie but also anybody on this earth that works in hollywood could have directed this movie. I mean, there, there's so much of like, hey, you just point a camera at an actor during a comedy and a lot of the work. Of course, the improvisation was probably there and the collaboration for sure. And I'm not doubting any of that. But also, I just didn't laugh. And I, th I thought it was actually really stupid. And I've seen better versions of this story told. And so ultimately, this could have been anybody's movie. I mean, there's nothing about this that tells me it's Russo Brothers. And I just simply didn't enjoy it whatsoever. So it's kind of silly to like roast you mean Dupree that much, but it just wasn't good and wasn't Russo brothers to me. So it, they were so much a director for hire. Uh, it's not even funny. Um, so yeah, that's number eight. You mean Dupree. So again, the bottom half of this list, the quality is just so similar so honestly, I feel like the last three movies, the bottom three movies especially, could all be interchanged. Like it almost doesn't work that this is a ranking because it's really just two sections of a filmmaker's filmography. So the next movie is Cherry. Cherry was highly anticipated for me. It kind of bummed me out that it was on Apple TV Plus and instead of going into theaters. But Tom Holland, uh, drug addict, 
military vet, true story. I loved all of it. I was eating it up. I thought it was for sure going to be Oscar bait. And I was excited to see the Russo brothers take a chance to do something like that. I was excited to see Tom Holland do something other than Spider-Man, somebody that wasn't high-fiving and saying, this is awesome, every three minutes. And ultimately what we have here is a slog to get through. It is well acted. I think it looks good, but the pacing of it, it's a drag. Tonally, it's unbalanced, and it's overly stylized for no reason. And I, I felt the way that I feel like everybody else felt. I mean... I went to look up the reviews because I couldn't quite remember what the reception was at the time. Obviously, it just wasn't heard from again uh, by the time that the Oscar discussion was coming back around. I remember it being released like earlier in the year, like in March of uh, last year or two years ago, whenever it was. And um, yeah, the the talk and the discussion around it just petered out. And um, yeah, I just wasn't a big fan of it at all, really. It got me hooked, and then from there, it just let me go. And so, Cherry, Yumi, and Dupree, both movies, I just don't have a sense of who the Russos are yet. I mean, they're two wildly different-looking movies. It's kind of hilarious. Uh, so the next movie, number six, is a movie called Welcome to Collinwood. It is available on HBO Max. I looked up the cast, and if you just looked at this cast and the synopsis, you'd think that it was like, there's a reality where this is the greatest Russo Brothers movie ever made. I mean, the cast is awesome. Sam Rockwell, George Clooney has a minor appearance. I kind of couldn't believe how small of an appearance it was. Uh, William H. Macy, Luis Guzman. It's a really interesting cast. And again, I, a lot of people, the Russo Brothers are in the press all the time. And I don't really hear a whole lot of references to their older movies before Marvel. So finding out these actors that they've worked with, uh, not really ever hearing that these actors worked with the Russo brothers over time too. It's just kind of fascinating. Um, so they made this when they were super young and it would have been what, 12 years before they made winter soldier. So this was an ensemble cast. It's quick. It's an hour and 25 minutes. It's just about a, a hodgepodge of characters who want to come together and pull a job. Uh, to get some money because they're all down and out, down on their luck in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, ultimately, I kind of thought it was boring. I didn't think that the characters really stood out that much. And I wasn't really entertained by it. You know, for a movie that was an hour and a half, I thought it was going to be the anti-cherry. And I was really just going to have fun with a little bank heist or whatever. And, or it wasn't a bank heist, but um, a money heist. And uh, ultimately, I just easily discarded this movie out of my memory um this would have been like a year after oceans 11 it's kind of funny that george clooney was in back-to-back -back heist movies i guess and one was one of my favorite movies of all time and the other i didn't hear of until about a week ago um directed by high profile directors the russo brothers so with these bottom three movies i just they haven't found their voice they haven't found their footing and it's honestly kind of been one of the most disappointing filmographies to go down. Um, because ultimately what we have here, the Russo brothers are flashy. They work with Chris Evans a lot. They work with high-profile movie stars nowadays. And they do high-profile blockbuster films. And that is where I think they have just simply and easily succeeded. I mean, I don't think there's any debate in anybody that's going to contest that. So... The worst of those movies that they've put out is 2022's The Gray Man. So The Gray Man, I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I just don't think that 
any particular part of it elevates it into uh, a conversation where it's like one of the greatest of all time. This fits right in the pocket of like, this is for Ryan Snelling because I love spy thrillers and espionage. And I love all of these actors, Gosling, De Armas, um, Chris Evans. By the way, somebody sent me how to pronounce her name, which is De Armas, but I just say De Armas. I don't really know why. Um, De Armas and Chris Evans. They are just so watchable that um, this is easily their most entertaining movie in the bottom four. Uh, and it's a movie for me, but it's also not going to blow anybody away. I do think I'll actually put it on. And uh, now that it's on Netflix, I think I'll put it on and enjoy it and enjoy a rewatch and just see how it works in that context. Because I did see it in theaters last week. And I did enjoy it in the theaters. Um, I just don't think it really blew me away. And, you know, it's just not that great. But The Gray Man works enough. And I think it's easily the best movie that they made outside of the MCU. It's a little bit more streamlined, more focused, and tonally uh, together, if that makes sense. So again, and these characters are watchable, and I will watch a sequel, for sure. It, it wasn't... Um, I didn't hate it by any means. Um, so, here we go. We're in the top four. We're halfway through. Obviously, we're just ranking Marvel movies at this point. But you know what? Because this is the Russo Brothers ranked, and I was thinking about what the Russo brothers have contributed the most to the MCU. It's how they reinvigorated Captain America. So I'm looking at this list and I've swapped two movies that I kind of can't believe that I swapped, but this is a Russo brothers ranking. I swapped two movies that I can't believe I swapped. And I don't know if it's going to stay there. You know, I'm going to rank the MCU at the end of this year uh, again and we'll see if it stays this way. But look, number four on the Russo Brothers ranked list. Again, this isn't a Marvel list. It's a Russo Brothers ranked list. Number four is Avengers Endgame. Yeah, I thought it was going to be one slot higher. But look, Avengers Endgame is the movie where I, I start to ask some questions uh, about the rules and the concepts and it's not that I hate any aspect of this film, because I really don't. I love this film. And it, and that's why I always preface with, like, look, this is just the four, some of the four, maybe the four best Marvel movies ever made. So I'm really just kind of nitpicking at this point. But Avengers Endgame is the one that I think is a little bit more unbalanced. Um, nothing is greater than the third act. I mean, what... What a theatrical experience. But there are some of the concepts, and now that I'm thinking about Phase 4 and thinking about the things that I don't really respond to in the MCU, Endgame has a couple of those things, um, so I have to put it at number 4. But what else can be said about Endgame? I mean, that film is incredible, and um, I talk about it all the time. So that's why it's my number 4. Number 3 is The Winter Soldier. Captain America, The Winter Soldier. This is the movie that started it all in the MCU. And I think it, it might actually be arguably the best Russo Brothers movie if you think about like how much they probably contributed versus like how much of it was a committee. Because it, it, they really just kind of had to focus on Captain America. Whereas like when they use the toys that they use in Civil War, a lot of those things have been already introduced. And so... Like, Tony Stark, obviously, wasn't a Russo Brothers invention. 
Um, and so what Robert Downey Jr. did and what all the other characters were able to bring to the table from other movies was already sort of figured out. Of course, Black Panther and Spider-Man, you know, that conversation comes later. Captain America Winter Soldier is mostly them, I feel like. And it's one of the best solid. Talk about this espionage spy thriller. It's why it's better than the Gray Man. It's just done better, in my opinion. And it's really just the heart and the core of everything that we know Captain America to be. You know, I think that's the movie that we think of when we think of how the MCU really started to up its game and really started to explore um, different genres. I mean, this is kind of what started a lot of that movement. Like, oh, we're going to have a spy thriller in the MCU, and it's actually going to be really, really well done. And, you know, we, of course, also have so much of the Bucky stuff comes from this movie. And, again, so much has been said about this already. There's really not any point in going on and on about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but that's why it's my number three. I simply think Civil War's just a bigger and better version of Winter Soldier. And everything that they play with, it's a bigger task to bring all these characters together and make it all work. I mean, Civil War is arguably my favorite, one of my favorite ensemble movies of the MCU. And uh, again, so much has been said about Civil War. It's number two. And number one is Infinity War. Because Infinity War is my favorite Marvel movie. Period. So... Talk about elevating with the ensemble every time, the balancing act, but also the greatest villain in the MCU was brought to us by the Russo brothers. And I don't mean introduced to the MCU. I meant like, finally, they delivered on this promise of Thanos. And right now we're questioning like, hey, when's the MCU going to deliver? What are we looking forward to? All those questions now... Um, we didn't feel that way back in the day. We were always excited looking forward to Thanos and they delivered 100%. I mean, it was an impossible task and they pulled it off. So guys, sorry to just rush through all that, but I mean, so much has been said about those movies. And I just think once I talk about winter soldier and the ensemble, I get into the movie that accomplished more with an ensemble and another movie that accomplished more with an ensemble and just getting it to work. I mean, just maybe the best directors for the MCU, uh, for sure. So anyway, guys, that's my Russo Brothers ranked list. Number eight, You, Me, and Dupree. Seven, Cherry. Six, Welcome to Collinwood. Five, The Gray Man. Number four, Avengers Endgame. Number three, The Winter Soldier. Two, Civil War. And one, Infinity War. Guys, again, you can follow along with all of my lists. I'm about to rank Jordan Peele movies as well on letterbox.com slash Rewatch Ryan. I got all kinds of lists up right now. And of course, just follow my watch diary there. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. So yeah, that was my Russo Brothers ranked. Let's get into the movie Nope, shall we? I was really looking forward to this. I really appreciate Jordan Peele. And look, there was this theme that I that I noticed uh, going into the theater or leaving the theater actually that these prolific exciting writer directors all had their third films come out this year Robert Eggers 
had his third film, The Northman. I was doing a lot of rankings of three movies. Uh, Robert Eggers and then Alex Garland, of course, came out with Men. And Jordan Peele was coming out with his movie. And basically with all three directors, though, I've really loved one movie. I, to degrees, didn't like the second movie. And the third movie has, you know, been in question. Um, so far, you know, I really like The Northman. I didn't like Men. So I definitely like Robert Eggers more than Alex Garland. But I was hoping for another knockout movie from Jordan Peele. And a lot of the reactions coming out were telling me it was solid, maybe the best, maybe better than Get Out, which uh, I appreciate. You know, a lot of the reactions to us were positive, but also I caught those people that were like, yeah, but it's not better than Get Out, and this part didn't work for me. And so I don't hate us by any means. I just think it's fine, and I'm not really a fan of horror anyway, so it wasn't like Jordan Peele was my guy. You know, I love to get out, but he wasn't my guy for horror and getting me into horror, at least up until this point. But I love the cast. I love the trailers for Nope. I loved everything about it. And I really didn't have any sort of, uh, I didn't have any concerns. I sat down and my theatrical experience wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst either. I sat smack dab in the middle of a row. And basically every single person to my right, and it wasn't like one entire group, it was a couple of different groups. There was a couple sitting next to me, and then another couple of people, and then but basically throughout the entire movie, I heard all of those people either talking to each other or just saying things about the movie out loud. Now they weren't screaming, but I could hear them. It was enough for me to hear them whispering, and it drove me nuts. Um, there was a, a couple times when, first of all, the couple next to me, I feel like they talked to each other the entire movie. Um, it was like how you can have fun as a couple, like when you watch movies at home and you just constantly make fun of them, like that kind of thing that I'm sure they thought they were cute and that's what they do all the time at home, but they did it in a theater when everyone in the room was watching this movie for the first time. And it really, really, really was annoying. Like, so annoying. It was crazy. And actually, they were, like, so quiet. But I could still hear them, and that's what made it worse, I think. Um, and then other people to the right of them were commenting on every time a title card would come up, for example. So this movie is is episodic. And uh, any time a title card would come up and a certain word would be shown on screen i would just hear them like say the word and then like reference like what it is and it's like why <laughs> i i couldn't stand it and so people were driving me nuts but i saw this in imax so it was still big and still loud and i for the most part was still immersed and uh so they didn't take away from my enjoyment of the film itself but they took away from my enjoyment of the experience without a doubt so I think the easiest comparisons to make, and these are great movies to compare it to, by the way, Signs meets Jaws. Now, it's definitely more Signs, and I loved it, and I appreciated it, but it's Signs meets Jaws. And I think that's an aspect I, I wasn't quite prepared for, and I really, really appreciate it. This man versus beast, predator versus prey, I really, really liked that aspect of it. It was a lot of fun because it was a lot of just the human characters trying to figure out 
what they were going to do to capture this alien on film. And I feel like I'm trying not to spoil anything, and I don't plan on spoiling anything. I'm trying to reference everything that I know were in the trailers. And the second trailer... Um, the second trailer, by the way, when Ernesto saw it, I told him that I felt like it showed too much. I don't know if I still feel that way. I think I do. I wish I knew it just a little bit less. But it didn't like taint or ruin the movie by any means. Um, so I think I can get away with everything that I've said so far. And ultimately, at the end of the day... I think it 100% delivered on its promise. And this is another hit, I think, for Jordan Peele. Now, is it perfect? I don't think it's perfect. I mean, it's definitely not better than the two movies I compared it to. I mean, of course, you're going to say, oh, it's, of course it's not better than Jaws. But maybe it could have been better than Signs. I still don't think that it is. But it is very similar in tone in the way that the story builds upon itself. Um I think Signs has a little bit of that episodic nature with the episodic nature, excuse me, with the flashbacks. And um, this has a little bit more to that. And I think that's kind of why it works less. Because everything going on with uh, Stephen Yoon, I think that's how you pronounce his name, from The Walking Dead and from Minari, uh, I think he's a great character. Um, but he does have like this entire like story arc. That thematically makes sense and I understand. But at the end of the day, when you close the book, um, it's pointless. Um, the theme, everything that we're exploring with the aliens and with the brother and sister, with Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer's character. It's just a repeat of a lot of those themes. But it's not about the main characters, and it doesn't ultimately contribute to the story. It's a complete aside flashback for a character that isn't even involved in the main plot. Um, so, while it was entertaining, and I enjoyed it, but it, it's just not a useful ingredient. And I know there's probably going to be arguments as to why it is, and people are going to talk about the themes from it. It's, it's not like it's lost on me what they were trying to tell me it's just kind of another movie like it could have been another movie but it it was just a contributing ingredient to this that i don't think was necessary or worked very much um and it would have made a two hour and 15 minute run time probably a little less than two hours and it still would have been nope in my opinion uh but i i'm also at the same time don't find it that harmful and again i actually like was really intrigued by it and the movie opens with a little nugget from that flashback and so i was excited to see where it went because the movie opens there um and i think honestly if the movie just didn't open there it might have worked even more we just got like a quick aside to what this other person was experiencing but um so ultimately it, it wasn't that harmful because at the end of the day I got a great summer blockbuster. You know, summer blockbusters aren't really like this anymore. It, you hear the word aliens and summer blockbuster, you think of, I don't know, a, a most recent one that was just absolute trash was Independence Day Resurgence. You know, it's not like that at all. It's the anti that. Uh, maybe something I respond to more of is War of the Worlds or, like I said, Signs. Like, those are the movies. It's not like War of the Worlds, but I didn't mean that. I meant, like... A, an alien summer movie that I actually care about. But, um, again, the performances are great. I love Daniel Kaluuya. I don't watch a whole lot of stuff with Kiki Palmer, but she was excellent. 
in the film and I really enjoyed their dynamic. That's another thing that I love so much. It the the entry point, the dynamic and the setting between the characters, you know, historically uh this family and I'm looking up their names right now. Historically the Haywood family has been involved uh in Hollywood since the dawn of Hollywood. They are animal wranglers, they're horse wranglers. So I love that little historical touch to it for sure. I also love the dynamic between them and the character Angel. And there's also the character uh, Antlers Holst, which is a movie director in said universe. And uh, I just loved the entry point is that, look, this is a horse ranch. They do this for Hollywood. They know Hollywood directors that can help them shoot this thing. They know uh, a tech guy that's also interested in the paranormal, Steven Yeun, who's also in show business, but a different kind of show business. I just thought that was really interesting and ripe storytelling. Um, the ep episodic nature of this movie, it did make me think while watching it that this could have been a really interesting TV show. But I also don't want to be the guy that every time he watches a movie says, oh, that should have just been a TV show. Because I don't think it could have. If you want to keep the Stephen Young stuff, fine. It, that's probably how it, why it should have been a TV show. If you want to like make that more relevant. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it was a fun movie to watch in theaters. And it is more my speed when it comes to Jordan Peele movies and horror movies. So I thoroughly enjoyed the horror and the sci-fi, the tension of this movie, it builds on itself really, really well. And also, I don't want to spoil anything, but the creature design, I really appreciate. Uh, I, I've said this before, like when I review movies like Edge of Tomorrow. When we incorporate paranormal and aliens and extraterrestrials, things like that, I'm kind of over the cliche designs. You know, of course, it's the skinny humanoid with the big eyes and then another thing that's kind of just been overused and cliche are like the crab monsters that are like cloverfield or a quiet place or um what was the other movie i was thinking of i mean edge of tomorrow is kind of like that but visually what i respond to more is design work that is basically things that i can't really like recognize or things that i don't quite know what i'm looking at and i think they accomplished that and that's just sort of where I'm at in my science fiction I want to see things that I'm just not quite sure what I'm looking at because I think that that's what it would actually be like because when you show me like the super eight creature for example when his whole thing is that he's like this big like spider crab thing and he drives this classic like aluminum looking saucer rocket fuel we're led to believe that these creatures are scientifically intelligent and conquered space travel it doesn't compute when you tell me that this crab monster can conquer space travel but also like design something that never looks like that that creature would design like an aluminum saucer it doesn't make any sense to me anymore i don't i don't buy it as much like i'm kind of over it so i liked how they contributed to science fiction is how I'll put it. Uh, so with that said, guys, nope. As everyone is saying, nope is a big yep. Uh, so definitely check it out if you haven't yet. It's worthy of going to see it in theaters. All right, so we review nope. So the only thing left to do is rank the three directed Jordan Peele films. As I said during the review, it's been an interesting year because a lot of 
profound, prolific writer-directors have done their third films this year. We had Robert Eggers doing The Northman, which I really liked. It's been a toss-up. You know, all three filmmakers, Robert Eggers, um, what's the other one? Alex Garland and Jordan Peele. They all have one movie that I love, and they also have one movie that I either like am indifferent about or dislike. So I was hoping that with Nope, we leaned more towards the positive side. And thankfully, especially if you saw my review, you know already that I enjoy Nope quite a bit. I think it really worked for me, and I really responded to it. So, so far, so good. So with that said, let's very quickly rank the three Jordan Peele movies. I think if you know anything about me, and you can kind of put together what I've already said about these movies, you probably know where I'm going with this. Us is my least favorite Jordan Peele film. Now, the performances are great, but I do think it's the slowest and the most boring of his three films. But also, it's a little bit more unclear as to like where we're going with the story, what he wants to say. I just don't think that balancing act of having a message, but also a compelling story with characters, I don't think that balancing act really worked for me. So it's a pretty movie, and it's really, really well acted, and I like the cast. Um, but it also, tonally, it's a little weird. I mean, I really think it's kind of silly when they get to Elizabeth Moss's uh, vacation home, and there's that whole gag with like the music as they're being brutally murdered. Like that scene was so out of place for me, and so I just think overall it's the worst hole uh, at the end of the day. And so it's a movie that I'm just kind of indifferent on. I don't think it's that great, um, but it's fine and whatever. Us, uh, I was hoping that with Nope we didn't get an Us, and I don't think that we did. So, anyway, so Us is easily my third favorite Jordan Peele movie. So, number two is Nope. Uh, like I said, I think when we talk about the greatest holes, I think that Nope is a little bit more ironed out. It also happens to be just more my thing when you incorporate a man versus beast, you know, alien, mystery. I really, really loved it. I also, again... Going back to my review, love the dynamic of the setting and the characters. I just thought that was a great entry point. And while there are parts of it that are unfocused, like everything with Steven Yeun, I still found it to be compelling and entertaining, and it had my attention. Um, but ultimately, just kind of you know went out the door. So you know, with these movies, I don't think they're entirely perfect, and not all of the ideas come through or come across as concise as they probably could be. But Nope, I think, is a wonderful summer blockbuster. And I, you know, I wish we had a movie like this every week. Um, but unfortunately, we can't. Uh, but I am excited more so. Again, when it came down to all these lists that I've done throughout the year, um, I've always been hoping to lean positive. That way I knew exactly where I stood with these directors. I feel like three movies is a great sample size at this point. Um, so Jordan Peele, this is the kind of movie that got me on board, back on board. I should say, with Jordan Peele. And I really appreciate what he did with this film. So number one is obviously Get Out. It was a massive success at the box office. It also, I think, is the best hole. It has the clearest message. I think what he contributed with The Sunken Place, I mean, it's one of the most iconic movies of the last 10 years. One of the best movies of the last 10 years. One of the best horror movies of the last 10 years. Uh, just everything got that cast... Lakeith Stanfield, Daniel Kaluuya, I mean, it's just firing on all cylinders, and I don't think there's any debate. I think 
you know, the people that are coming out saying that Nope is better than Get Out, I kind of think they're forgetting what a phenomenon that movie was. And they're just letting the hype of Nope get to them. But I think Get Out, so few things in this genre. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be hard for Jordan Peele to top Get Out just because of how big it was out the gate. I mean, that's the only thing that he has working against him is that his first movie is one of the most iconic movies of all time. Uh, one of the most iconic movies of my lifetime, certainly. So, um, but Get Out, I think it's the best hole, and it's the most thrilling, most engaging, and uh, yeah, it, I just think that's still the best, and I don't think there's any debate. So, that's it. Guys, us, nope, Get Out, in that order, from worst to best, that is Jordan Peele movies, ranked, that is another portion or episode of every movie ever you can find every movie ranking that i do on letterbox.com slash rewatch ryan all right i think that does it for this week's watch diary that was a breezy episode i sat down thinking that i had like a lot to you know discuss but i mean i feel like that flew by i don't know what the actual times are on this but um anyway so let me see if i can finally find a release calendar real quick so next week, it's DC League of Super Pets, Vengeance. Oh, that's the BJ Novak movie. I think I actually want to go see that. I don't think it's going to blow me away, but I'm kind of just in the mood for a for a, a movie like that. I don't really know why. Um, and then August 5th is Bodies, 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 and Bullet Train. And I could have sworn Bullet Train was next week. But anyway, I think I'm going to talk about Vengeance. That's a nice little movie, and maybe I'll come up with another little concept for the show. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have another TV show watched, and I can review that as well, because Vengeance isn't going to take up a whole lot of time. I can't imagine. Um, but yeah, after that, I'll probably split up. I'll tell you what. I'll probably spit, split up Bullet Train. So on August 5th, I'll probably do Bullet Train. And then I'll save Bodies, Bodies, Bodies for the August 12th week. Oh, you know what? Emily the Criminal. I'm actually really excited to watch that movie with Aubrey Plaza. I saw that trailer like a week or so ago. If you haven't checked out the trailer, watch it. Emily the Criminal. Um, I don't know when I'm going to do it. Maybe I'll do both Bodies, 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 and Bullet Train. We'll see. So anyway, I actually do want to see a lot, a lot of those. Um, guys, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at WhatUpSnell. Also on TikTok, at WhatUpSnell. No, 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 no. That was my old handle. What am I doing? That was like two handles ago. That was weird. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, at RewatchRyan. That's so weird. And letterbox.com slash RewatchRyan. Guys, thank you so much. Um, I'll probably post somewhere on social media what exactly excuse me, I'm going to be doing. We also need a reason to get Brando back on here because Brando's been absent for a couple of weeks uh, because he doesn't know how to keep his sound equipment at home. But that's okay, we'll figure it out. Guys, thank you so much. We also need to do some more uh, rewatches and never before scenes. Uh, it's been almost a month since I put out either one. So I'll figure it out. Guys, I appreciate it. I'll see you on the next one.